This discussion is about questions and answers. Sometimes a person asks a question in a field that they know very little about. In other words, if a person not familiar with electronics at all says, what if the machine breaks down? An electronics person doesn't know what he's talking about. Is it the transistor, the capacitor, the circuit, the welding? If you don't talk about specifics, you're not communicating. When a person says to me, you can't predict the behavior of people, they're telling me that they don't know how to predict the behavior of people. And it's a, it's a subject that I can't do anything with. Unless they say, what do you do about people that insist that they're right? In other words, that's a specific question. A specific question is, how do you arrive at your decision? And why is your decision any better than any other decision? Now, the person that asks that question may or may not understand the answer. The assumption that people understand the answer that you give them is an assumption and projection. So, in order to check it out, if you have the time and you have a few people, you can say, what do you think I mean by that? And if they come off with something off, you know that they didn't get your intention. So, People that work on automobiles say automobile engineers, not mechanics. Mechanics are a little different than engineers. Engineers understand the efficiency ratio of the parts. How much miles you get per, fuel, per gallon of fuel. And the technician understands the function of all the parts of the car. If you say automobiles are unsafe with, with conviction, that doesn't tell you how to make them safer. It doesn't tell you anything. Unless you say, if you make the brake drums an inch larger, the car will stop sooner. Something you can use. A non-answerable question is, how are you going to control the population? You can't control the population, it'll go right on multiply. The question is, how do you control the population? Not you can't control the population, go right around multiplying, you know, does not give you alternatives. When a person says, you can't make airplanes absolutely safe, well, what the hell does that tell you? Nothing, except that that person's limited ability to participate. A man would say, if you made airplanes safer, that doesn't tell you anything either, you can use. So you have to discredit that. If a person tells you governments have been corrupt ever since history began, that doesn't tell you how to make them uncorrupt. So you tell that person they have nothing to offer unless you show a method of making a government work. Unless you say, I would like to know what your view is on this. If a person comes up to me and says, what is your, our view, your view on automobile safety? I said, do you know anything about automobiles? The mechanisms, the valves, what they're for? No. Then you can't talk about the anatomy of the automobile. Do you understand that? If you know nothing about the human body, you can't talk about anatomy. Say, people get sick and we don't always know why. Well, that's something that you can't do anything with. Now, if you say the soil is exhausted, 
the plants aren't growing. You're offered nothing. But if you take surplus food, grind it into small particles, mix it in with the soil, if the plants can assimilate that, because it needs water, not just nutrients ground up in the soil, the water is the conveyor of the substance of the plants. But if you say, we're running out of topsoil, what do you suggest is the next question to that person that says we're running out of topsoil. What do you suggest? Well, I don't know, then shut up. Do you understand how I mean that, do you think? People can't ask questions unless they know the anatomy of the subject. It goes back to the same thing. When Richie used to say, Daddy, what makes an airplane or what makes an automobile move? Well, you say uh, many different things, fuel, combustion chambers, cylinders, wheels, transmission. What do you want to know specifically? Many things are involved in the movement of a car. But if you say, you can't predict human beings, they all come from different environments and they have many different reactions. You can't make them all react the same way. That doesn't tell you anything, except the person's limitations that they're talking about. Now, there are a lot of people that are permitted to talk today. In the future, they won't be. In other words, if you come into a medical conference and they'll say, well, Dr. Jones, what do you think of this concept? Dr. Smith, what do you think of the concept? But if you're just an outsider, non-medical person, they don't say, what do you think of the concept? So at a medical conference, you have medical people. At an aeronautical conference, you have aeronautical people. Do you understand that? So the kind of questions they ask are related to the flying machine only. Now, if it's a discussion of airport safety, then you have FHA people, airport designers, and you say, what's the matter with the runway? Well, whenever a heavy plane lands, a runway cracks. Or what's the standard recommendation of thickness and reinforcement in the runway? Why do you need rebars in the runway or a grid of wires? So if the concrete cracks, it doesn't change elevation. If you have wires in there, it keeps it at the same elevation even though it's cracked. Do you understand the answer? If you're not equipped to understand the answer, you can't ask questions. If a guy says, you know, electronics can fail too. Well, that's participation, but offering nothing. Do you understand that? So, sometimes I will not engage a person if I feel they're not talking about the subject. And they say, you can't predict, a, predict human behavior. You, different people may have different views. Oh, well, that's true. Give me the different view. Let's make our building ten stories high instead of four. Why do you want to do that? Just talk about the subject. If you say, you can't make automobiles absolutely safe, what do you feel the limitations are? Well, the driver may be distracted. Then you want a system that affects the distraction of drivers. If they use a cell phone and they're driving and talking and the kids are fighting in the back, those are distractions. So you want a car that's not subject to distractions. How do you do that? I don't know. If you say, uh, 
All you want soldiers to do is operate the machine gun. That's all you want them to do. You don't want to talk, discuss philosophy on the trenches. They could discuss Mark Twain as against somebody else, but that would be irrelevant to the war. So what they do is they blindfold a soldier and he's to take a gun apart blindfolded. Do you ever see that? Then he has to assemble it blindfolded. That's what they need. In case you don't have light, you're in the trenches and your machine gun jams, they want you to know how to undo the jam. But if you talk about philosophy and the history of guns, that does not undo the jam, unless you become very familiar with a particular kind of machine gun. Is that clear? Aeronautics conferences are on the characteristics of different airplanes. They try to photograph German airplanes during the war and try to show that they can't make a turn as fast as Americans planes can. Therefore, take advantage of that disadvantage of the German airplane. When the German pilot lands on an American airbase and surrenders the airplane, they take it up to study its turn characteristics and to write a report on what it can do and what it can't do. That gives you, American pilot, an advantage of knowing the rate of climb of that airplane. If you don't know that, then you're just going to rely on your own ability. So an expert is a guy that reports on the performance of the enemy airplane. But if a guy says, well, you can't predict that until you capture a plane. So he says, you must capture a plane. So you offer a foreign pilot $50,000 if he flies in cash. You do whatever you have to do to get that information. But if you say you can't get a German airplane, that doesn't tell you anything. What are the methods of getting a German airplane? People come up with ideas. Will it work? I don't know. Then you put it to test. If it works, you use it. If it doesn't, you set it aside. So, remember this. This is the thing you have to remember. People will talk about all kinds of things, but not when their car breaks down. They take it to an auto mechanic. When the air conditioning breaks down, they take it to an air conditioning mechanic. You can go to the baker. He can say, well, I don't know. Check the input and output. He doesn't know. So <clears throat> everybody likes to feel competent. Everybody likes to feel they want to participate. The question is, can they? The only way you can participate in anything is to offer a tangible referential description. If you believe that all things are affected by other things, that means that human behavior is predictable. If you believe that the conditioning shapes behavior. If you think it's inborn, you can't think about it. If you believe that human behavior is inborn, you can't predict. You say, who the hell knows what the inborn emotion is going to be? So if you can't predict it, you can't deal with it. But if you believe that people scratch their head because it itches, or they think it itches, that's all right, as long as you know why. But every action, a person adjusts their glasses, it means that ear pressure is bad, or the vision is not good, or if the glasses are too low, they move it up. You have to ask them why you move your glasses. You can take guesses, 
but that's not why they move their eyeglasses. If you believe that human behavior is based upon what Skinner is known for as reinforcement, he says people will do anything if you reinforce them in their terms. If you want a child to pick fruit for you, if they picked a basket of fruit and you said that was very nice of you to do that, and you say, what would you like to do? He says, Daddy, I'd like to go on the merry-go-round. And you take him on the merry-go-round. Reinforcement of what he does, you will perpetuate that behavior. If you spank them and give them negative reinforcements of certain behavior, they will stop that behavior only when you're around. Because when you're not there, they may beat up another kid, push him into the swimming pool, if you're not there. So beating a person makes them behave a certain way only when you're around. When a teacher walks out of the classroom, there's a lot of noise and all that, but the teacher goes back, everybody is silent again. Because they're not rewarded for talking when a teacher is there. When a guy lands and says, I just shot down two or three German planes, the captain says, what method did you use? And he says, I want you to talk to the new pilots about the method you used. That would be information to the pilots. You gotta, you gotta really know how to fly and outmaneuver the enemy. That doesn't tell you anything. Although it sounds sincere, you gotta outmaneuver the enemy, you gotta beat him to the punch. That sounds enthusiastic. Have faith in yourself. Have faith in your ability to fly. Confidence. Those words don't tell you how to stabilize the airplane. If you let go, the airplane is self-stabilizing. So, if you don't know those things, it's hard to communicate. And if a person says, you didn't answer my question, it would be, you didn't answer my question in terms I can understand it because you don't know they didn't answer. Like if you said, electronics breaks down sometimes, and uh, the guy in the field of electronics really doesn't get anything from that. But if you say the capacitor or the weld broke on the soldered copper wire going into the transistor, the guy knows where to look, but he doesn't know where to look when you say, it broke down. If you tell a doctor, it hurts, he, he, he knows something hurts, but if you say, my knee hurts, the top part of the knee or the bottom part of the knee, he's got a little more to work from. But if you say, it hurts all over, what hurts all over? He can't do anything with that. So the only thing a doctor can do anything with is, do you have gas, do you have belching? And though he's got a handbook, it says a lot of belching is eating foods that produce a lot of gases or emotional stress. He's got a handbook. So when you say, I belch continuously all day long, I can't stop belching, he might take out his handbook and look at that and compare it to what other doctors found. He can't do anything else except compare it. The average person does not compare mechanical systems nor can they talk about the design of cities. If you say many people require different kinds of cities and different kinds of houses. Now, if they do, if everybody would like to drive their own car 
individual car for everybody. They will cost a million dollars apiece. If you make dyes and sample out a hundred Chevys that look alike, they're much cheaper. Do you understand that? So most cars, most Fords, Volkswagens, whatever they are, look alike. You could make each one different, but it would be out of the range of cost. So, person says, do you allow for individuality in that society? Individuality to me means differences in values by different aspects of the culture. We can't afford all kinds of individuals. Then a guy wants to wear a suit with three creases in it. Well, that's individual, but it's unsane individuality. Unsane is individuality is when people say, I got a new dance, it's this. You don't need to get up. Well, that's an individual. But that dance doesn't do anything for people. Convincing them of that, do they want to know what do you think of this type dancing? Well, I would say it's no different or no better, no worse than existing dancing. But I can't deal with that kind of problem. If I say dancing is a nothing thing, I mean what does it contribute? It contributes to the well-being of people. They feel good dancing. Is that important? Well, what if they want to see a bullfight and they feel good watching a bullfight? Feel good is not the ultimate answer. It's the collective utility of the answer that I would go by. What will benefit people most? To know about basic things, how they work, how a flashlight works, how automobiles are interconnected, how we relate to the environment. If you say man is part of nature, Say, without food, man can, cannot survive. That's what I mean by that, when I say he's part of nature. If oxygen is not in the air, he will die. So he thinks he's part of nature because he doesn't know that we depend on nitrogen. Lightning fixes the nitrogen in the soil. It makes it available to plants. Now, uh, is that the purpose of lightning? No. Lightning occurs and the nitrogen becomes modified. But lightning is not there to modify the nitrogen. <clears throat> you can tell by nitrogen would be, electricity would flow only in the ground and modify the nitrogen only. It wouldn't go through the atmosphere and hit a tree and a little girl on a bicycle. Then it means it wasn't designed for a purpose. If you have ice weather, Say the purpose of winter is to give us a change in season. We need change. Well, the people living in the tropics never heard of winter time that are brought up there. And they wouldn't know what you're talking about. If they say, what is the winter for? Say, well, uh, it's to give us a change in season. The average person, not being a meteorologist, meaning a student of weather, doesn't know what questions are asked. But there are a lot of kids that would love to participate. So they'll say, what if a person doesn't want to live in that city? They're looking for participation. Uh, if you say the water supply is not even in all the houses, can you make it even so that all people can get water when they want it? That's what, the, that's what they want to know. But you can't say, what if I don't want to live in that city? That's just bringing up an argument. You know, say, the recognition of participation. So 
So uh, real participation is uh, how would you uh, acclimate people to this design if they were brought up to believe in individual housing? You can't do that unless you tell them where people get their values from. If you live in an igloo or a thatched hut or a wigwam, those become normal to you. And if you say, well, what if I don't want to live in the wigwam? That's a person bringing up contradictions for no other reason than participating. Do you understand that? What is real participation? When the brakes fail, what do you do? Gee, you crash. Well, can you make brakes that are less apt to fail? No, then shut up. That's what it means. So, <clears throat> your assumption that you've answered a person's question is an assumption, unless you ask them, what do you think I mean? And they come up with something entirely different, say, apparently, I was unable to get that across. Or, they don't have the background to understand what went wrong with the electronics. If you tell them the kidney and the spleen are not working properly, they say, oh, but they don't know anything. In order to know things, you have to get the book, Handbook of the Spleen, and Handbook on the Anatomy of Different Organs, how they work, what they do. Do the organs work, or are they controlled by emotions? Well, if you study emotions and the effect on organs, which is another subject altogether, the psychology of illness, this isn't always the failure of the kidney. It could be the failure of love of life in you. If your whole family is killed in an automobile accident, you may not want to live anymore. And they call that the will to die. And there are some people that can will death. I know it seems strange, but they go to bed at night and they don't feel alive and they don't sleep well, they miss the other people and their life has been cut, what they call their life. Now, if people live in a world where everybody's friendly, everybody's concerned about your well-being, when your closest friend dies, you're not left alone. How am I going to pay the rent? How am I going to eat? Uh, people live alone today. And I would say that if everybody tried to work to enhance the lives of everybody else, you wouldn't be desolate when somebody died in your family that was important to you. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Now, do you know what I mean by answering questions? You can't unless the person is in that discipline. If the person says, the human nature keeps changing. That's why you can't predict what people will do. Say, he's telling you that he doesn't know of any method of predicting behavior. Now, you ever watch the Blue Angels fly? They have good communication. If they don't, one of them did the loop, the Blue Angels, too big a loop, too near the ground, and all the planes crashed. Are you familiar with that? Ah. That was the end of the Blue Angels. So, so if the pilot, the main guy, has erroneous judgment, and they all are trained to follow the pilot, then they all die. Now, if the pilot makes an erroneous decision, and you know it, and you fly out of that squadron, and the squad it worked out all right, you're kicked out of that squadron. Because that's the only way people have 
of knowing things is that the expert in the field knows more about it than you do. It's true that a refrigeration engineer might be able to make your refrigerator work well, but he knows more about it than the baker does. So when you call upon an expert, they're not always experts, but they're more of an expert than you are. And that's all we can go by. If a meteorologist tells me we expect a very stormy winter, he has more methods of arriving at that prediction than I do. Could he be wrong? Yes. But could I be wrong? Many times more than he would. Do you understand that? So we go by a guy that says the best place to catch fish is near a reef. How long have you been fishing? 65 years. How many fish have you caught? 4,000 tons. Well, you better listen to him than the guy next door that caught two or three fish. Will he be, could he be wrong? Yes, he could, but not as much as the average person. Is the city perfect? No. The word perfect has no meaning. It means there's every operation in that city for the benefit of all people in that city all the time. The answer is no. There's no such thing. And if you can recommend a method to make it more substantial, recommend that method. Do you understand that in communication then? There is no communication with people that are not schooled in that discipline. So what you have to do is teach them that discipline first, that their behavior is not their own, it's shaped by culture. If you can envision, do that first, and then go off in the direction you're better off. If you show them, if they believe that every person is an individual and individuality is within the person, if you can't disprove that, get out of the conversation, because you can't take it anywhere. If you believe, yesterday, did you see those two dogs, they snap at you? They didn't snap at me, but I did see them snap. Uh, okay. The guy they told me, he says, Fresco, don't touch the dogs, they snap. He gave me forewarning. But if you bring up those same dogs with kids that feed it fresh food that the dog likes, if every time a kid comes over, the dog is less apt to snap. I didn't say wouldn't snap, less apt to snap. Do you understand that? Okay. If people are extensional to one another, not say, I love you, I need you, I want you, you mean more to me than anything in the world. If they don't behave in that way, they can't establish confidence in the other person. If a person has confidence in another person, you really can't do that unless you know more about the subject than the other person. If I have confidence in the pilot flying a plane and I can't fly as well as him, I've flown with him a lot and he gets me there. That's all I have confidence in, the fact that he got me there. Is he a confident pilot? I don't know under what conditions he's confident and under other conditions he's not. I think I told some of you here about the Islamic people going to uh, that once a year conference. What's that called again? Ramadan. Ramadan? Yeah, Ramadan. No. Um. And they were in an airplane and the pilot said he smelled smoke mm -hmm. and he went back and they made a fire on the floor to heat up the tea. Now, obviously, uh, 
they don't understand the significance of that, the people that did that. But they always understand that fire heats tea. But making a fire on the floor, they did not, were unable to understand that. I'm sure they did make the fire because they knew that, but they wanted tea. I don't think they did. The pilgrimage to Mecca, was it? Yeah, Mecca. The journey to Mecca. On the way, they made a fire in the airplane. They were heating it to tea. Are they dumb? No. They don't understand the relationship of fire to the inside of the airplane, especially at high altitude, where they have air circulating and limited oxygen. If you open a window on an airplane, all the air would be sucked out. And some people say, well, I like a little ventilation. If the windows were openable, there'd be a lot of dead people and crashes. And you wouldn't know why, unless they noticed one window was unhinged in the broken parts. How do you know this? When a plane crashes, the FHA takes it into a hangar and lays out the windows and the door and the landing gear, and they look at everything. And if there was an air pressure problem, the fuselage is blown out, the windows are blown out. Uh, and they know what to look for. FHA, are they perfect? No. But they know better what to look for than the average person. So when the FHA says they do a list of probable cause of the crash. Now if you say the man assassinated another person because he was brought up in Italy with a value system that differs than, than, from people who don't assassinate people that they disagree with. But if a person's conditioned to beat up on another guy that looks at his wife sexually, is he bad or is he a victim of culture? That's what I mean. So if you get mad at somebody, it means you really don't understand this subject. So if a guy says, uh, you want to fight? He believes that he can, if he beats you in a fight, he's right. He may be better at fighting than you are, but it doesn't make him right. Normal, a lot of normal people believe that the guy who's better at fighting is right. Right is might. You've heard that shit. And so, if you're right, you can get the shit kicked out of you. So if they say, why don't you explain your ideas to a lot of people see how they feel about it. If you explain, if you have an atheist lecture to a group of Catholics, they're going to vote him out. You understand that? If you lose a debate, say you're on a debating team, you lose a debate, the guys like the guy that won the debate. Is, does it mean he was right? No. It just meant that the people that listening to him were familiar with that point of view more than the other point of view. So even if you win a debate, it doesn't mean you're right. You say, God made all this, it can't come about any other way. Most people would shake their heads. That doesn't make them right. So when you get into the debate, you don't enter to win. You enter to see how many people you can primarily affect in the discussion. And if you're poo-pooed, you know what that means? They say, that guy's full of shit. And they all walk out, it means you would have no relevant approach to those people. Do you understand questions and answers? There are no answers. Answer is, uh, can you answer this question? What makes war? Like, there's an answer. This is the answer. It's a whole study 
of kingdoms and habits of thought, and this nation is different than the other nation, and believes their way is the right way, so they try to kill the other nation. Are they bad? No. Are they murderers? No. They're victims of a different culture. So, if you can't get the people, instead of saying they're dumb, either you don't have the time to build a referential language, or they don't have the background to understand you. That's possible. I wanted you to get this bit so you don't waste your time. I don't talk to people that raise questions like, you can't predict human behavior. I can't do anything with that. Yes? You mentioned you wanted to go over intellectual traps. Intellectual trap is the habits you pick up. A habit is an intellectual trap. You revert back to that and say, somebody had to make all this. That's the intellectual trap. If you're trained in religion first, then the intellectual trap is assuming God made all this. And if you behave badly, I say the devil got into you. That's an intellectual trap. You had the free will to kick the devil out of you. There are people that look at a girl and want to have sex and say, get out of me, Satan. You know, they try to kick their own values out. That's an intellectual trap. It means if you're schooled as an Indian, you dance around a fire, that's an intellectual trap. A habit, established habit, is an intellectual trap. Do you understand that answer? Do you? Do you? Okay, now, you want to talk about something else. Yeah, stating the problem is, the, is similar. Very difficult. Is the uh, big it problem, can. isn't it, a big deal? It's almost impossible. Because if a guy bought a whole bunch of electronic equipment, sound equipment, everything, and he knows nothing about electronics, he says, my system isn't working. That's all he can say. But he can't say it's a transistors, capacitors, circuitry. He can't say that because he doesn't know that. But if he says it's not working, the expert is the guy that turns up the volume and it doesn't go up. He looks inside, he sees a burnt out transistor. He knows where to look. But the average person says, my car isn't working right. It tends to veer to the left or right. And the mechanic says, okay. Those words, even my car isn't working right, he says, what's wrong? And well, it veers to the right, he thinks in terms of tire pressure. The words the average person uses triggers that, but it doesn't happen in the average person. Unless they've been a mechanic four times, and the mechanic stated that, they say it might be the air pressure in my tires. So he checks the air pressure. Only after he knows. But a person can't know it's the air pressure. You know what I mean? A person can't know it's the humidity, the humidity in the air that carries the allergens that you're allergic to, unless they know about transfer of allergens. So you'd think you can talk to people. That's why it's good to ask a person, what are you majoring in? Gosh, it's electronics. Then what else are you interested in? He says, human behavior. How much human behavior have you worked with? Well, I like Charles Gordon's concepts of behavior, or I like the Gestalt concept. You know, then you know what areas of behavior they're indoctrinated in or habituated in. 
Can a, be, can a guy be a mechanist and habituated? I would say no, because a mechanist listens to what people say, but then puts it to test to see if it works. And if it works, they're not victims of habituation. Now, let me give you an example of stating the problem. Only in mechanics is that obvious. When a person says, my refrigerator doesn't work, well, they don't know whether it doesn't get as cool as it should, has it turned off, they don't know. The expert is the guy that knows the anatomy of the refrigerator. You can talk to him. But you can't talk to a person that knows nothing about refrigerator. A person that knows nothing about, say, airplanes, can't say, what makes it stable? He doesn't know when you said the dihedral makes it stable. He doesn't know what that means. How much dihedral? How do you determine that? In aeronautics, you're given the method of determining that. In automotive science, you say, can this automobile climb hills? The average person says, says yes. Can it climb a hill 45 degrees? No. That's too much. Your car can't handle that. Can a war tank handle that? No. So if you have a table in your war tank, says, do not try to climb hills in excess of 45 degrees. That's how to use a mechanism. Don't try to do upside down flying in a non-stunt plane. A stunt plane shuts the fuel off when it's upside down, otherwise it'll spill all over the plane. Do you understand what I mean? So a stunt plane has a bypass mechanism that shuts the fuel when you turn upside down. But if you say the plane is equipped for stunting, that means those people took care of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when you talk about a given subject, architecture, structural, bridges, the way the structure's arranged, you can talk to people. But if they say, what makes a bridge stand up? You say, have you got three days? The person says, no, I haven't. Then come back when you have more time. Because there's many little things you can discuss. Do you understand? But things are not subject to questions and answers. In school, they say there's a question and answer period. We even talk about it. But you really can't have questions and answers. You can have, are you informed technically? The person says no. Then tell them what technology is and how technicians arrive at decisions. Do they know how to decide, arrive at decisions outside their field? Maybe not. You have to find that out. An electronics expert doesn't know how to check behavior. He says, most people I met are selfish, therefore it's natural. He makes the wrong assumptions. Even though he knows electronics from A to Z, he can't transfer that to another field. So questions and answers are really, in the future, it will not be that. What is your background? And a person tells you, then you talk to them in terms of their background. I think, do you understand that? There are no such thing as questions and answers. Or even though I use that term, any questions, anything you don't understand, I know. And the person, like the girl yesterday, she was riding her own path, one after the other. She had a hundred paths. She was riding them. She wasn't talking to me. She was riding her own limitations. Once she says to me, if she just said, how do you do this? Or what do you do for that? How do you prevent bridges from caving in? Something. 
then you can answer that. But if it's no question, just a bunch of statements, that is feeling always permitted to participate. That girl had a lot of participation in her life, but no communication. Although she com communicates her values to people that have similar ways of thinking, their limit, she only tells people of their limitations when she talks. Do you understand what that means? There's no such thing as questions and answers. Do you? Do you? You can't answer questions. You can teach them about electronics, or you can teach them about the characteristics of technology, how one part affects another. You can teach about, if a person doesn't take their car in every 6,000 miles for a checkup, you don't know what the hell's wheel worn out, and why your car, when you turn the steering wheel, it goes around but the car doesn't turn, because it's worn out. And if you know, if it says in your car, check your batteries every so many days or so many months. Check your wheels and alignment every six months. You know, there's a code usually in the automobile that tells you what to do. Without that code, the average person drives a car until it breaks down. This is what they do. They drive until it cuts out because they can't afford to take it in every time there's slight differences. They don't always have the money. So the word democracy cannot be manifest. If you can't afford to take your car in or your wife to the doctor when she has chronic headaches and take her in for an MRI, which is over $1,000, you say, well, look, why don't you eat a little less and don't stuff your gut so much? It's right, roundabout systems if you're poor. So the word democracy does not permit you to behave democratically unless you have the purchasing power to do so. So I'm not interested in words like freedom, democracy, individuality, because they're not telling me anything. Something about the person's limitations is all they tell me. Well, for instance, I believe in individuality. I don't have to make a painting that makes sense to you as long as it makes sense to me. That's not sharing ideas then. If you make a painting that means a lot to you, you love the flashes of green and yellow crossing. That's adventure. It shows strength. All that's projection. I can't deal with that. I say, well, go go and paint if you enjoy it, if it makes you feel good. But don't come at me and say, will you frame my paintings in your exhibition hall? I says, well, if the painting you do gives everybody a different value system, I can't see the benefit of it. If you tell them that the word water means anything, then there's a loss in communication, if it means subject to interpretation. If water means something you drink, contaminated, uncontaminated water, salt water, acidity in the water, that means something. But if you just talk about water in one way, and everybody interprets it their own way, you'll have a divided civilization. Why do we have to have one way? We don't have to have one way. We have to have a verifiable way. You know what that means? Not any one way. One way is God made everything. A verifiable way is plants won't grow if you don't water them or keep the soil or keep certain insects from attacking the leaves. That's a verifiable way. So language 
has to do with verifiability. That's why you can't communicate with everybody. You can only communicate with those people that are relevant to the subject you're trying to communicate. If your mother says, the person is guilty, I know it, I can see it in his face. Well, nobody's ever guilty of anything. They just have different methods than you have. That's very hard to accept if a person is a disturber of the presence. If, if I had a person that was a continuous disturber, I might say you have to leave the session because I have to consider everybody there. A disturber of senses, I don't agree with anything you say. I believe I have free will no matter what you say. I say you'll have to leave. He said, you're avoiding my question. No, I'm not. I have to consider, or I will consider the majority of people. I'll let a person talk if, if they're sincere, but if they're using it as a gimmick, what if I don't agree with you? That's bringing up opposition. If they say, I don't agree that your building will be stronger if you run your bracing geodetically. And then I say, well, show me where it doesn't work. But if they say, I don't agree with you, they want to participate. So participation means fundamental referential criticism. You know what I mean by that? A reference for what they're talking about. And they say, if you pitch a building this high and it snows a lot, the roof could cave in. If you increase the pitch of snow, it'll carry a greater snow load. But if you give me degrees of pitch for the amount of snow, I can use that information. But if you design a house with very little pitch and it's a heavy snow load, it'll cave in. If you use a steeper angle, the snow will go off and you can't accumulate as much snow on a steep roof. So in a place where it snows a lot, it might be better to have a steep roof. That's what I mean by talking about the subject. People don't talk about the subject, they talk about their feelings regarding the subject. Do you know the difference? I don't know that I want to live in a round city. What if I want to live in a square city? Well, they say, what are the benefits and how do you arrive at that? That would be inquiry. People would, if a guy comes up with a new airplane, no wings, no rotors, so I don't want to get in that. Unless he says, how do you fly? By vector jets. What if the vector jet cuts, cuts out, it crashes. If it has wings, it can glide. So you say, well, I'm going to fly an airplane with wings. Not yet, vector jet. The Harrier, you know the Harrier? If those engines cut out while the plane flying out, it crashes. An airplane moving forward, you, if you run out of fuel at a steep angle of inclination, you can't turn. Because you're so slow when you're climbing up at an angle. The steeper the angle, the slower the plane. If the engine cuts out, it crashes. If you're taking off at a slower angle and the engine cuts out, you can still have enough inertia to glide forward. If you're climbing too steep, it tends to stop when the engine cuts out, then it falls. An airplane has to fall seven to eight hundred feet before it gains speed again, enough to be airborne. So if your plane cuts out at a mile high, you die, pick up speed, then you can glide on. But if it cuts out during a climb, it doesn't work.
So a lot of people are killed. They try to get back to the airport, even though you're moving forward. But if you go back reverse direction, you don't have flying speed. That'll keep you in the air. Do you understand that? If you cut, taking off, your engine cuts out. You take off at a shallow angle, and the engine doesn't fully cut out, you can turn around and get back to the airport. But if it cuts out at a steep climb, going backward cuts your forward speed. And you can't make the airport, you'll go down straight. But if you don't know those things. If you're around a pilot with a lot of experience, he said, boy, I crashed once, but I was near enough the ground not to be badly injured. But if he tells you all kinds of things, fire on the air, or the more apt you are to survive. It doesn't mean that you will, but if your emotions take over and say, I've got to get back to the airport, that's more important, and you try to turn around, you can't. If your emotions take over. But it's hard to be rational in an emotional situation. That's why I question putting emotions into machines. Would it do any good? I don't see how it would serve. But we can't have compassion and love for one another without emotions. We get hungry, so we eat. We make food tasty, put salt and pepper on it, and we, because we feel good about it. So emotion seems to dominate human behavior. But if you put emotions in machines, uh, they'd say you better make the dyes of a certain alloy so they'll last longer. It wouldn't do any good. I can't see emotions doing good, where a machine won't go on for three weeks because a guy was killed in that machine. The machine says, I'm not going to stamp out fenders because a guy fell in front of my trench press and I killed him and I can't sleep at night. I can't work. If you put emotions in the machine, unless it says uh, it has the emotions call upon technicians to design some photoelectric cell or something, when you put your hand in the way, the press doesn't come down. That's good. Or if you say, I don't trust machines, it means you don't know how to make them that foolproof. And the guy said, what if the photoelectric cell fails? What do you suggest? Put three photoelectric cells on separate circuits. The probability of three of them failing and battery operated so there's no power source failure. You have a very high probability that it won't fail. That's all you can deal with is probability. Do you understand that? When you ask questions, you have to say, tell what a question is. Does it have a referent? If it doesn't, the question could mean anything. So you have to put that on the internet, asking a question. What is a question? A question is, uh, what if I don't want to live in that city? And you don't have to, period. Next question. But if you say, well, don't you want to know anything? No, I'm just like, what if I don't want to live? Then you don't have to. What if I want to drive my car 400 miles an hour? You go to the National Speedway and you drive your car 400 miles. That's not a question, really. That's an interference, an attempt at participating. Lots of people like to participate. But they don't do that at an engineering conference or a chemistry meeting. You'll never see the average person saying, can I participate in chemistry? The guy says, yeah, what's your chemistry background? I don't have any. He says, 
we'd like you to participate, but how can you? Do you understand? Okay. So, participatory democracy is a ridiculous statement. It cannot be. You can't participate in democracy unless you define that term. What do you mean by that? And do you agree with participatory democracy? The guy says, yes, I do. Well, why do you take your car to an auto mechanic? Why don't you take it to a butcher? Let him try to fix your car. Or the chicken raiser or somebody. They always take it to the right person because the wrong person can't participate. Now, when they talk of participatory democracy, I said, how would you grow more food? I want them to participate. They don't know. So study agriculture, then come back to the Venus Project and work. Or try something. Work at it. I don't see anything detrimental in that. But if you can do that when you talk to people, you tell them that you're not asking a question. I am too. <laughs> they don't even know that. So you say, well, have to, first you have to read a book on semantics and become familiar that language is subject to interpretation because if it is, then I fear that you don't understand it as I want you to. So you have to give them the basis, for, the basis that enables you to make more appropriate decisions. How do you make appropriate decisions? You buy a book called The Camera Weekly, and they'll tell you what the best cameras are, the less breakdown, assuming the book is not owned by a camera company, particular camera there's a thing, there are consumers' magazines that give you a report on flashlights, batteries, and things, but they give you the best report they can, and it may be better than nothing. You ever see such a book, Consumer's Digest? Tell you never buy this camera, you have a lot of trouble with it. How did you get that machine that prints those things so well? You ask a lot of questions. What have you heard as being most reliable? I said, uh, Volkswagen is very reliable, see. Now, Ralph Nader, being Jewish, didn't like the German Volkswagen. So he wrote a book, Unsafe at Any Speed. Did you ever hear that book? It's about the Volkswagen. If a Mack truck hit a Volkswagen, the people died. But the Mack, the Volkswagen saved the people in the Mack truck. Do you understand? They don't do that. Now, a small car is good if all cars are small. But one car weighs 10 tons, another car weighs 2 tons, and they hit the 10-ton car, will crush the other cars. So when you say Volkswagen is unsafe at any speed, if you have a small car, it's unsafe compared to bigger cars. But you can only talk about the anatomy of cars. I remember as a kid, I went into a train in a theme park where the cars have bumpers all around. You ever drive those cars? And, the, and you think, gee, when you look at the bumpers on a car in the front and back, you'd assume they only hit in the front and the back. The bumper should be all around the car. Why don't they do that? Well, they've been doing it that way. That's a trap. That all companies put bumpers in front and in back. That's what I mean by trapped. You, you look at a car and say, how come it doesn't have fenders? Well, is it supposed to have fenders? What kind of fenders? Fenders that keep mud from splashing from the wheels all over the car. But if you make your fenders a mile higher than the car, 
Well, you boost your car up on big wheels. It isn't good for the car because the gears and all that are designed to turn a wheel a certain size. When you put bigger wheels on your car and you elevate it way above the ground, the rest of the car doesn't correspond. Do you know what I mean by that? The size of wheels on a car have to do with the transmission power, the gears, gear ratios. So all of that is based on the wheel size. And if you put bigger wheels on a car than it's supposed to have, it's harder for the motor to turn the big wheels. I don't know if you know that. Only when going downhill are big wheels better. When going uphill, big wheels don't take you up the hill as fast as small wheels. Small wheels have more leverage. I mentioned yesterday that a dog with short legs can't run away from a wolf, a daichang. Yeah, it can't run fast enough with those short legs. Will the daichang survive in nature? No. Only dogs with longer legs. And squirrels have short legs, but they can climb trees. A fox can. So it has survival value in a tree environment. But in a flat plain, a squirrel can't do anything much. So squirrels spend a lot of time near trees. And they even climb a tree when another squirrel is after them. You understand? Okay. So you can't answer questions unless the person seems to know something about the subject. If they know little about it, they might say, I can't understand why... Uh, some people do certain things. How can they want to hurt another person? Uh, if they put a question like that, you can answer it. They say, ah, oh, some people like to hurt other people. Some people are mean, some are not mean. Well, that doesn't t teach you anything. Because people are that way, naturally. Even if they were, you have to know what it is that makes them that way. And if you don't know, there may be some books on aberrant behavior available in the library in the psychology department. There may. And if you look for them, you can find out. God, so all, is a benevolent dictator. He dictates for the benefit of people. But some gods dictate that you're to worship them every day of your life. They want to be praised. Continuously, well, that's up to you to reject that concept of God. It depends on how well read you are, how well informed. I would say Mark Twain must have been influenced by many different people and books because he was so different than most people of his time. But he also had a way of putting it to convince people.